This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Stew. I am Ryan Knauss. I'll be your host for Tuesday editions this season. Uh, If you already haven't already heard, we're bringing you fantasy news, updates, and takes every single weekday this season, which is a first. Uh, Steve Alexander, Dr. A, will be hosting on Thursdays, and Matt Straup, of course, will hold it down on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So today we're going to be offering our picks for waiver wire pickup of the year, as well as any an evaluation of our recent NBC Sports Edge draft. And we'll conclude by answering as many listener questions as time allows. With me to do so is my colleague, Jared Johnson. Jared, the season is upon us. Uh, I know you're as excited as I am. So how's it going? I am stoked. The season is here. The season is finally here. We open up with Golden State versus the fake show. It's going to be uh, <laughs> an amazing experience. I am happy. Uh, I wish there was more than two games tonight, but uh, let's get right to it. I'll take it. We could soak in the entirety of those two games. That I like. Our attention That's won't true. be divided. So I'm, I'm ready for it. In an 82-game season, no less. It's, it's been a while since we, were, since we were here. And we have the, fi- the Eastern Conference Finals rematch of Brooklyn versus Milwaukee, which I'm very excited, very excited. Um, Should be a lot I of think fun. That, I think that Brooklyn nearly had it last year. So let's see what they can do with uh, this. They're not... Are they a super team still without Kyrie? Is that a super team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just become so so numb to the big three. Like, yeah, they still have Kevin Durant and James Harden. It's it's right. crazy. <laughs> um, I, I think that qualifies. Uh, so let's get into it. Our, our colleague Jonas Nader was nice enough to cue us up with a good question. He asked, can you predict the waiver wire pickup of the year? So to be clear, we're going to, you know, Typically, players who have gone undrafted, we're going a little deeper cut here. Uh, But players who we think could emerge with huge value over the course of this season, I'll kick off the discussion and throw out the name RJ Hampton. Uh, Absolutely love this guy. Love what he's probably going to be able to do this season. Obviously, a young, up-and-coming player. We still haven't seen his ceiling. He's in a good spot. I think that the crowded Magic backcourt is scaring some people away a little bit. But Hampton said that, <laughs> he said, said that he he grew uh, two inches over the off season, and let's not forget in May he averaged 16 points on 46 percent shooting, almost 44 percent from deep, seven boards, 5.6 dimes, and he did that in 30 minutes a game. So the upside speaks for itself. I, I'll take him. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy. I really liked him towards the end of last season as a potential breakout for this year. The only thing that steered me clear of him is that crowded backcourt and. Jalen Suggs being drafted, just they're full of guards. We don't know what uh, Mar- Markel Fultz is eventually going to play. You would think so. So I think that's why he's going undrafted. But the key here is we're picking players that aren't being drafted and, and, and predicting their upside. So I think that that could, that could be uh, one of the guys. Next. All right. 
I'm, cl- I'm glad you're, you're behind that one. <laughs> My other picks, I'll just rattle them off. I don't need, uh, we can go more in depth if we want to. Uh, I'm going with Davion Mitchell, who seemed like the hype train was pretty slow to get rolling on him. I, again, I think just because of the crowded backcourt there in Sacramento. But the Kings are talking about going heavy three-guard, possibly four-guard lineups. Uh, Buddy Heald is about as, as prime a trade candidate as it gets. He was almost moved to L.A. earlier in the offseason. Uh, so I, I just love him. I think if nothing else, he's a steel specialist. Uh, defensive specialist Jared Vanderbilt. I'm kind of looking at him as a potential like Rocco light guy, Robert Covington without three pointers. Uh, that's a pretty lofty comparison, but I think he, you know, like I said, Rocco light, if he gets even half of that, uh, we're in decent shape. Uh, and then Precious Achua, I think people yeah. are catching up to because I've seen him go as a late round pick. So maybe he doesn't quite qualify for this waiver wire pickup. But definitely keep an eye on him. He's only been drafted in 14% of leagues thus far, which is a crime. Yeah, I really like Precious. I think he has a ton of opportunity. I think people are leaning towards Birch, who to me is just like really boring and easily surpassable by Precious. Um, They're going to start the season without Pascal and Chris Pichet, although both those guys are expected back relatively soon. But if he has like a week or so to kind of show how much better he is than Kemp Birch and leap him in the rotation. Also, Nick Nurse has been really reluctant to deploy uh, Chris Boucher at center. Um, Precious mm-hmm. is a, a bit more traditional, so that could help him out. I actually picked him up after the draft in our, in our live league where we only have uh, 12 roster spots. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel that one. So... On to my picks. Uh, We were supposed to surprise each other a little bit here, but Ryan is nothing but prepared and demanded that I tell him my picks. And the first one he knows already, which is, I wish I could see your initial facial expression to this, is Mr. Kobe White. Um, But hear me out, hear me out. Uh, If you just look at that depth chart, tell me who's going to score in the second unit. There's like no one. It's not, I mean, you can stagger minutes and whatnot, but there's not a clear sub. And I think if Kobe White embraces that six-man role and is given enough minutes and enough freedom to just kind of jack it up, and he <laughs> he shoots better than 40%, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the opportunity could be there for this guy to kind of break out this year as a six-man. Uh, I have not drafted him in any leagues. And this is part of the deal here. We're picking guys who <laughs> no one is drafting because this is supposed to be a waiver wire uh, potential pickup. So there is my case for Kobe White, and you can go ahead and obliterate it now if you would like. Well, it's fine. I will say that having having known this name in particular in advance didn't really lessen the impact of it. If anything, it gave me time to <laughs> stew on it and realize just how much I disagree. Um, but in, in reality, like... You're right. Chicago needs scorers off the bench. I think they're definitely going to stagger Lonzo Ball to Marta Rosen so that Kobe White isn't just on his own trying to create offense for the Bulls. He was given that opportunity last year as a full-time point guard for a long stretch, and it didn't go well. So that's not his 
his role. Maybe he's improved in the offseason in many departments. But, you know, I just think pure scoring, but also hollow scoring, inefficient scoring. And what else is he going to give you? So unless you're in just a straight points league or some sort of esoteric fantasy league with weird <laughs> w- with weird setup, I-, I do not see the upside here. Points, triples, and dimes, sir. Hopefully above 40% shooting. Let's get there. It's like you and I, I know our, our colleague Raphael Johnson is sold on Malik Beasley in a similar role. I feel like he, he views Beasley playing for the Wolves. Yeah. Man, I can't get behind either of these guys. But <laughs> Moving on. So that's the only name I know from you. Why don't, why don't you shock me with your other potential pickups? A lot of people in, in the fantasy industry have zeroed in on Bones Highland. Now, mm-hmm. I get it. It looks really good out there. Mike Malone isn't necessarily rookie friendly, and uh, they have three to four point guards on this team. I'm going to go ahead and say maybe, just maybe, this man, Faku Kumpazo, can get that starting role and secure it and earn enough minutes ahead of Austin Rivers, Monte Morris, and this Mr. Bones Highland rookie. And perhaps he could be a valuable contributor. Was that the name of the segment? Valu- valuable contributor of the <laughs> Wait, year? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jared. Um, Kambatso I like well enough. You're right. He is going undrafted in most leagues, which surprised me. I would have thought that the dimes and steals would be enough for people to take him off the board. But you mentioned, I mean, Monte Morris there. Highlands looks good. Even Will Barton's going to handle the ball. Austin Rivers could be in the rotation. And then obviously the offense runs through Nikola Jokic. So, you know, even a nominal point guard on the Nuggets may not be getting typical point guard duties. So I think that's why people are kind of low on him. Um, I'm actually a little more keen on PJ Dozier if I'm looking for for deep sleeper value on the Nuggets. I kind of like what Dozier brings, sneaky across the board value. I wouldn't put him in the in the pool of waiver wire pickups of the year because I don't see the explosive kind of upside of an RJ Hampton, other guys we've mentioned. But I still quite like him. I think uh, don't be surprised if he's a, a hot nine cap pickup at some point. All right, here's my last one. Let me paint a picture for you. All right, we're in Indiana. Uh, Karis LeVert's back injury goes bad, aggravates it, just like wash season. Malcolm Brogdon just can't ever be healthy. And DeMontis Sabanis and Miles Turner's aren't working. Their record's just falling off the cliff. They're not even, they fall out of the playoff hunt. It's just a disaster. And management says, you know what? This isn't working. DeMontis Sabanis, Miles Turner, we can't do that front court in the modern NBA. So they blow it up. And then... We have the rookie, Isaiah Jackson, come in. And he is starting, and he is grabbing boards, and he is sending away shots like it's no one's business. That, sir, in this scenario I have constructed, could be a waiver wire pickup of the year. I'll grant you that. You know, I don't even know that it would take as extreme a scenario as you've painted. I don't know why Carlos Levert's back had to get injured for Isaiah Jackson to. <laughs> that was just a hater play right there. But um, no, I, dude, I, I like that take. I think Isaiah Jackson. You look at what he did in college, and this is what really captured my attention going into the draft: is that in 20 minutes per game, 
he averaged 2.6 blocks. And that's the kind of block rate you always look for. A guy who's only going to need 20 minutes on the court to make a serious, you know, category winning impact. So I, I love that. And I think if the rebounds get there, he's not going to hurt your field goal percentage. Uh, that could be a very sneaky, interesting pick, especially because Miles Turner has been floated in trade rumors before. It's kind of an awkward fit in the front court with Sabonis. So uh, there's there's potential there. I, li- I like Jackson. And he also set the summer league shot blocking, or he tied it. I forget who the previous record. I think it was Willie Colley Stein, <laughs> but he had oh, seven he? swats okay. in the summer league finale. So yeah, he's put that on display, and he um, he also showed it during the preseason. So uh, potential there, uh, just uh, way too many guys in front of him. Right. That's why I don't even think you can kind of stash him yet in most typical leagues uh it's more of a wait and see but man the the moment you see a glimmer of daylight for playing time for isaiah jackson definitely heed jared's advice and uh go pick him up other replies i'll quickly mention from twitter dr a said otto porter as waiver wire pickup of the year which i surprised myself because i don't totally hate that ah um, getting on the otto porter train hey i like him too well getting on the train maybe you know buying a a a refundable ticket that's non-fungible you're all on board now oh okay all right little did i know but Otto, i like we've seen his upside right a nine cat guy i believe he's had seasons where he finished top top 40 for sure just a problem of staying healthy but i like his situation in golden state not a ton of competition there could potentially emerge with a starting job but even if he comes off the bench should have a pretty pretty hefty workload so Right. For a guy who is really just people are scared off him because of injury risk, but then there hardly is any risk in taking him if he's sitting on your waiver wire. So uh, I can get behind that one. Yeah, I was thinking about him as a draft target when uh, before Andrew Wiggins Mm. got vaccinated. When Andrew Wiggins got vaccinated, took me off the train a little bit. But, um, you know, I had Otto Porter during his best season in Washington. The past two years have been terrible. I'm not too sure about how uh, real those injuries were in Chicago. It seemed like he just didn't want to play for them. Makes sense to me. Um, so, you know, maybe on this team in Golden State, they can really get the most out of him. So I like that as a potential option. Yeah. And just one, I mean, Draymond Green hasn't been the most durable player out there. So he's got that going for him too. Other answers. Well, my Davion Mitchell and Jared Vanderbilt takes were seconded by people on Twitter. Uh, not that they had seen them first. And Goran Dragic was mentioned. I, that I, well, let me get your take first. No. <laughs> Just no. Okay, <laughs> one word take. I like it. I will elaborate on that by saying that Dragic was outside the top 200 in 8-cat and 9-cat last season in 27 minutes a game. So you add to the, you know, add to that the fact that he's been pretty brittle over the past three seasons, hasn't been able to stay on the court, not getting any younger. And the primary trade destination that we've heard about is Dallas, potentially. And I just don't see how he gets enough usage or playing time to really make a fantasy impact there. So, uh, sorry, Dragon, despite what he's done for me in the past, I'm going to have to pass on him. And then two more interesting names for waiver wire pickup of the year. People mentioned Killian Hayes, a guy who showed basically zero fantasy aptitude last season. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, is somehow playing along Cade Cunningham going to unlock him? I understand the second year jump in productivity but i do not see this one i wouldn't say unlock but i'm also not going to judge a guy on 35 career games i mean he was drafted 30 uh five right five overall 
Um, a lot of analysts were high on him coming into the league. He disappointed a lot of us. I was high on him his rookie year. He disappointed me. Um, but he was pretty much injured the whole year. Um, Cade is an interesting part of that equation. I don't think it helps him. Um, but, you know, if it works out, if he's able to start alongside Cade the entire season and he's kind of getting a reasonable amount of steals and dimes, then, yeah, he could be a valuable contributor. It's more about... Um, can he shoot a reasonable percentage from the floor and or mm -hmm. not take enough shots where his terrible percentages don't matter? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if he's shooting 35% from the field, but is only taking six shots a game, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Definitely like him more than Goran Dragic, put it that way. Yeah. And then Najee Marshall ha was mentioned. I think he's going drafted in most leagues now, yeah. though. I think people are kind of awake to him, especially with Zion, you know, out indefinitely. He won't even be reevaluated for a couple weeks. I think Najee is a pretty obvious pick. So um, yeah. we'll just kind of put a check mark next to his name. All right, I'm sure there are more out there. If you want to send them to us, get a little feedback, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Ryan Kanaus, R-Y-A-N-K-N-A-U-S. And Jared, would you want to throw your Twitter handle out there for people? Yeah, it's one of the Jade of the Truths. You just got to spell it right. I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> Jade the Truth. There's an underscore in there. You'll, as he said, you'll figure it out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, let's move on. We had our NBC Sports Edge company draft last night. I want to go over it just quickly, talk about our own teams, Jared. Places you feel you went right, places you feel you went wrong. Um, you know, is there anything you would like to start with? Or I can kick us off here. I had, I had the 13th pick, so I feel like I should go second in this. All right. I had the... Uh, I had the number ninth pick, which I was going to complain about until I just realized that you have the 13th pick. And the ninth <laughs> pick is certainly better than that. But in a in a 13 or a 14 team league, I think that when you're kind of down the dirt like that, uh, you got to take some big swings because it's already it's already the odds are not in your favor from the jump. Uh, so somehow Giannis fell to me with the number one pick. I was happy about that. 
And I managed to secure Jalen Brown in every single one of my drafts. And this is one of those situations where um, I'm extremely high on Jalen, but when you're able to secure him in every single one of your drafts, you the little self-doubt creeps in. <laughs> like, why am I able to get this guy everywhere? Like, what's going on here? But anyways, good I, point. I was really happy to get him. Uh, I panic-picked uh, Jarrett Allen in the fourth round because... I was trying to get a guard at this point, and I had uh, DeJounte Murray, Jod Morant, and Drew Holiday in my queue, and boop, 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 right before I picked, all gone. And then the clock's ticking down. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, okay, I think think Jared Allen's going to have a big year. Uh, I need a center, and I got him. But um, I should have picked Yusuf Nurkic, in my opinion. I do think that Jared Mm -hmm. Allen could have a big year, but um, I just... Would have preferred Yusuf Nurkic there. I got my guy Jalen Green, which I was excited about. Uh, I think that the the efficiency could be an issue, but uh, I just think the counting stats are going to be so superb. I'm not particularly worried about it. I also nailed D'Angelo Russell. This is the only draft that I got him. Um, and I am really confident in a breakout, bounce-back, Brooklyn-like season from him. So I was stoked about that. And just like last little comment, I did get Karis Levert. He fell very far in this draft. And before that back injury, I had Karis Levert ranked number 30. So when he fell this far, like I said, it was a lot of big swing picks. So I just swung for the fences with Karis Levert. And I also, after that, or right before it, I made a statement pick with Josh Giddy, who I also expect to have a very good season. But I think my team is a little bit weak in the bigs department. So I am actually glad that I panicked and got Jared Allen when I did because, uh, man, they dry up quick. And um, we'll see. We'll see if Karis LeVert works out, if D'Angelo Russell has a bounce back, if Jalen Green has a fantastic season. If <laughs> There's a lot of ifs here, but I may be competitive. Maybe just a couple of those hit. And I'm surprised you didn't mention this, but you got Giannis with the first pick and then leaned in with, with Gobert and yeah. off to the races with a punt free throw percentage build. So a lot of those picks you just mentioned, Jalen Brown included, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, even not a good free throw shooter for a point guard or hybrid guard. You know, all of those are made slightly better by the fact that you were, I assume, leaning in to the, to the punt free throw percentage build. So... Uh, I think you came out pretty nicely. And Levert at 104, there's not a lot of risk there. Like We also saw Kyrie go outside top 100. If you want to, I think he did. I could be wrong. But, you know, if you want to throw away even pick 104 on the potential that Levert does stay healthy and returns top 40 value for long stretches of the season, by all means, like that that risk-reward ratio speaks to me. So uh, I, I quite like that. Now, do you think you're going to have to address your bigs on the waiver wire pretty early in the season, or are you just going to ride it out and see how this goes? You, you did also add Montrez Harrell toward the end. Yeah, uh, that's another guy who I'm hoping can have a little bit of a bounce back here. Uh, semi-concerned mm-hmm. about what happens when Thomas Bryant gets back in the mix, but I do think that he could have a big enough role. Um, Daniel Gafford does tend to get himself in foul trouble from time to time, so uh, just change of scenery. He was good with the Clippers. Maybe he can be good with the Wizards, but... Um, Definitely missed out on some some of the late round bigs I was going for. Evan Mobley, particularly, he went a lot earlier than I was expecting. Yeah, and I'll say it in terms of Harrell, 
Maybe not the highest upside guy, but we have seen him be a very valuable fantasy contributor. The field goal percentage is massive. And yeah, he was used very awkwardly in LA last year, or not used as the case may be down the stretch when he fell out of the rotation. So I quite like the spot that he's in, despite, as you said, the the looming Thomas Bryant threat. But that's so far distant. We have no idea when when Bryant will be back on the court. So, uh, you know, when you're at 150 and you need a big, fine, just, just grab him. You can always cut them and pick someone else from the waiver wire if you need to exactly um all right let's move on to my team so again i picked 13th i started out with a pair of guards went with bradley beal and trey young fell to 16 which i feel like trey young is eliciting a lot of indifference in drafts and i don't know if it's because people are worried about the changing you know the nba is implementing new rules so that offensive players can't lean in and draw fouls quite as easily as they used to pretty much it's going to affect Trey Young possibly more than anyone James Harden comes to mind but why do you think I mean are people just kind of like the shine is off Trey Young he's no longer the sparkly new guy uh, around the turn why are people not more excited to target Trey Young I have absolutely no idea like we were talking during the playoffs last year and I said you know uh, before the playoffs started I felt like he was a guy that maybe you could get in the third round because he had a marginal it's it's not even an underwhelming season i like if he has the same season he had last year i would be fine with that pick but um Mm. you know he was incredible in the playoffs and i thought you know uh matt kind of touched on this yesterday is that atlanta's incredible playoff run really has not (laughs) impacted the draft uh range of any of these guys you can get bogged on incredibly late john collins is about right clint capella you tend to be able to get really undervalued and you got Trey Young. I mean, in my opinion, Trey Young's a first round point guard. He's a clear PG one. He's going to be in the top three in assists. That's one of the rarest categories. Durable. Durable. And those and the and the the amount of sis he gets it's it's a big drop off from him to the next guy. So I just don't I don't understand the disinterest because that's an excellent pick in my opinion. Yeah, thanks. I mean, really, the assist just clinched it. I was like, okay, because it's such a relief after your first couple picks to not have to try to chase dimes through the middle round. So uh, I was thrilled with that. Not maybe as thrilled. You know, I pivoted from my guards to bigs. I went with Kristaps Porzingis at 41 and Miles Turner at 44. Porzingis is a guy who I've, I mean... I was so off him for so long because of the injuries for years. Literally, I I don't think I've had him on any team, and it's been justified given what's happened since then. And yet, I find myself drawn back in. I I can't resist it. I blame Jason Kidd and his (laughs) relentless hyping of Chris Porzingis about how he wants him in the post, how he thinks he's going to be an all-star, how we haven't seen the real KP, like all these things. Uh, Porzingis himself said he's finally fit and his body's where it needs to be. He changed his fitness regimen over the offseason. I'm drinking all this Kool-Aid and I got a sugar rush for KP. So, you know, am I am I going to crash, Jared? What's going to happen here? Uh, you know, I'm the wrong person to ask. I've been drinking that Kool-Aid for years. I love KP. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, there you go. I think that this could be, man. Maybe I asked the right person. <laughs> I think that that's a great pick. I'm much more concerned with Miles Turner and the coaching change with Rick Carlisle. I'm not sure mm. what's what he's going to do with the bigs there but kp is not a guy that i mean it's the health right that's why you got him where you did but no one's talking about his on-court production i mean like i said it's it's kind of like with trey if he has the exact same season as last year that's a great pick and he should be better so 
Yeah. I mean, he just needs to stay healthy. And he was relatively healthy last season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. Miles Turner, I'm much more concerned with. But mm. uh, I, where you picked him, I think that it was kind of in this in the situation where he was kind of the last um, clear-cut top 50-ish potential big on the board. And I see probably the last guy who could give you blocks like he can. Uh, with Miles Turner, I always seem to pick him on the down year. <laughs> I get it. he'll have this amazing season and then I'll pick him the next year and he'll not be nearly as good. So I don't yeah. know. I've I've had him I had him his rookie year and then I had him another year where he wasn't that great. Last year he was incredible, but I'm just I'm always terrified of situational changes, particularly with coaching changes. Oh, fully. I, I understand that. Particularly with Rick Carlisle. Yeah. Big, big risk, uh, totally, because it's a question now of how comfortable is Carlisle playing Sabonis and Turner together for, mm-hmm. and then not even that, okay, they start together, well, how long are they actually going to share the court? And then while they're on the court, what is Miles Turner doing? Is he just standing in the corner waiting to catch and shoot three-pointers, exactly. or is he more engaged offensively? Is he is he one of the guys setting picks, or is that going to be Sabonis? You know, so... Yeah, a lot of questions. And actually, Drew Holiday was on the board, but because I already had Trey Young and Bradley Beal, and I only had Porzingis, you know, shaky at best with the health, I just thought, let me lock up my front court a little bit here, ensure that I get blocked. So it was more a safety pick. And then immediately after it, Holiday went to Raf, and I had regret. <laughs> <laughs> so not, I'm not super psyched about Miles Turner there, but quickly I picked up Jeremy Grant. I like where he's going. Chris Boucher at 72. I think people are sleeping on him. You know, Gafford Definitely. and uh, Mobamba, all these other guys are getting hype, but we've forgotten that Chris Boucher per 36 is like a top 15 guy like his obviously mostly the blocks rate but uh, i still like what he can do this year 100 percent, and he's only going to miss about like a week it's not it's not a bad injury he's very yeah. close so great pick yep nearly back rj barrett pretty boring pick i just needed a, a wing who's going to be durable and score for me i robbed jonas of d'anthony melton uh, and then I picked up uh, Desmond Bain and, you know, a couple other guys. I, I Davion Mitchell I got with my final pick, Malachi Flynn in round 13 at pick 181, and a couple others in there. So I feel pretty pretty good about my draft. Oh, I also got Precious Achua so, um, at 153. So a couple of those potential breakouts we talked about earlier to round things out. Uh, overall, feeling pretty good. Yeah, that Malachi one is interesting. Uh, he was another guy who I had as a very deep sleeper. Mm. Um, the fact that Goran Dragic is still there, there you go. Um, well, turned me off slightly. But the fact that he is that, that Nick Nurse is still doing the two point guard start, um, and Dragic has gone on the record saying he does not want to be there, and was a little <laughs> bit insulting to Toronto as a franchise. Um, you know, if he gets moved. Malachi showed it last season that he can he can put up numbers. Yeah. And uh, just quick shout out to my alma mater, SDSU. Oh, nice. There you go. Can you <laughs> what what is SDSU for those of us not in the know? San Diego State University, where Kawhi Leonard went. I went to school with Kawhi Leonard at the same time. We're basically like best there friends. I guess I shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's gonna come across. Guys, I am not friends with Kawhi Leonard in real life. <laughs> um, but Malachi Flynn, you mentioned, I, you know, I really like him for that reason of Drogic, who said initially upon the trade, 
something along the lines of, I don't want to be here, we'll see. And then he backtracked and, and you know, towed the company line the rest of the way. But you got to think he's gone. Uh, a veteran on a team that's very clearly pivoting to the future and a team that bo- both shut down Kyle Lowry last year and then seriously considered trading him, you know, their franchise pillar, this the, the goat of the, of the Raptors, they were going potentially to trade him. So why would Goran Dragic potentially last through the season? And if we knew that Goran Dragic was gone, like if that narrative had more steam that he's definitely going to leave by the trade deadline, Malachi Flynn would get drafted every single draft. He would be a late round flyer. Uh, And yet he's going undrafted in most leagues. So uh, anyway, happy to hear you also like him. All right, that will do it for our wrap-up of our teams. Uh, Let's go to some questions from readers and Twitter users. We'll start with one. I apologize. I forgot to queue up the names of the people who asked these questions. Hopefully, you'll know who you are. Uh, This question was about Robert Williams' upside. He was injured a lot last year. The Celtics of Al Horford. What do you make of the situation? How high are you on him? We know his permanent upside. Do Do you trust Robert Williams this season? I think that I'm a little bit scared to give this answer because I don't think that the staff agrees with me. (laughs) And I was also wrong about him last year, but um, I'm scared. I'm scared of him. Uh, They signed Al Horford. Enos Cantor is also there. Um, Juancho Ernan Gomez can probably play a little bit of the five. Maybe Grant Will. I know they're just so loaded in that front court. And I really hate the argument when people say, oh, he only needs X amount of minutes. I hate that argument. Because when you say he only needs X amount of minutes, you're implying he might not get X amount of minutes. <laughs> you're, you're, already, you're already saying, oh, 30's off the table. Yeah, no way. Mm. And then you go, but look at his per 36 numbers. I don't care about his per 36 numbers because they'll never get mm. there. Uh, I totally understand the upside of this guy. It's phenomenal. He can just rim run and block an incredible amount of shots. I get it. I'm concerned about the amount of depth that is on this team. And I don't think Al Horford is just collecting DNPs there. No. I don't think Enos Cantor is collecting DNPs. So how do you balance out those minutes? You can't play Enos Cantor at power forward. I mean, perhaps you can with Al Horford, but Jason Tatum and Wancho Gurn and Gomez are there. So would you you can go ahead and make the case for Robert Williams, the Time Lord. But I am concerned. Well, so you're right. I, I mean, I think Grant Williams will get some minutes at the five, and then you also have Horford and Cantor. So it, it's already crowded. Frankly, and what you said about the per thirty-six minute argument is is accurate to a large extent. I think it's a better case to make for a guy in the middle rounds or a late round pick, right? Uh, even someone like Chris Boucher, maybe who you're not spending like a top fifty pick to get, because Robert Williams' ADP now is right around fifty, I believe. Um, so. Mm-hmm you're drafting him higher than where he was last season on the assumption that he'll get more minutes and the assumption that he'll stay healthy. So it's a, a exactly. couple big leaps. And yes, he can get there. Maybe maybe he does all those things. But obviously, the Celtics are kind of hedging their bets. His health has been a big question mark. He already had to miss a little time in training camp or the preseason, I forget. Um, you know, he's healthy entering the season, but Boston's going to treat him very carefully. They just signed him to that extension. They're playing the long game here. We saw them very slow play him last year. 
Wouldn't be too yep. shocking to see, you know, some minute limits in place this year just to ensure that he stays healthy. So it lowers that ceiling considerably. Um, I think Raphael Johnson's on, bo- on board and, with you. He's not as high as some others on, on the Time Lord. And just like thinking about centers who go in his range, I would much rather have, I would much rather take a chance on Isaiah Stewart or like you did get Chris Boucher, who I think is just better, um, like way later. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, five five picks after me. Robert Williams, Jonas Valanciunas went off the board, and I would rather have JV. As much as I love Robert Williams and and the blocks upside, and obviously the elite field goal percentage, I I think for safety purposes, yeah, I would take Valanciunas as well, especially with Zion now. I, that mm-hmm. gives JV a big boost. So. Uh, interesting, exactly. interesting question yeah. there. Sorry again, I don't have the username who asked that. Let's see. Someone wanted us to name uh, some names as final round picks to target in a head-to-head points league. So talking points leagues, I have some names I'll throw out here. I've already mentioned RJ Hampton a bunch. I think his counting stats could be a lot of fun. Um, if you ever want to draft Marvin Bagley, a points league is the place to do it. It's the only place he might actually help you in his NBA career. So enjoy it while it lasts. Darius Basley is another name I'll throw out there. Horrific percentages last year. Just <laughs> untenable in any format, really. But uh, for points, doesn't matter. So, well, most points, I should say, field goal attempts do count against you in certain points leagues. You know who you are. But in general, I think Basley is a great play. And uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is a kind of really cheap double-double, not going to give you many defensive stats, doesn't pop for 8-cat, 9-cat, but I think in points, you know, he'll be there in the final rounds. That's an easy get. Yeah. Uh, Just throw out some names. Cam Reddish, he could uh, have a six-man role in Atlanta, depending on how he's able to share the rock with Danilo Gallinari, but... Uh, The concern with Cam Reddish is some of his percentages that goes out the window in a points league. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I am very high on. I've explained it in previous podcasts. I don't care if it's a points league. I don't really care about the format. I just think he's a great late round pick. Um, I think that he could have a really big season. And then if you just want to take a complete absolute flyer, maybe it's a little bit of a deep league. Uh, I have taken some big swings at Devin Vassell. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to start anymore, but perhaps another guy who could maybe shine a little bit in a six-man role with, on that rebuilding San Antonio team. I'll end on this note because the Robert Williams discussion has the YouTube comments popping. People <laughs> <laughs> mostly disagree, as with most of our NBC Sports Edge colleagues, uh, you know, Oh, super terrific comments. Uh, Cantor is just scoring. Horford hasn't been good. And I can see Williams being the block leader this year. Hey, I could see that too. Other than Horford not being good, uh, I I can get behind that. I could see Cantor being a kind of optional play on nights when the matchup makes sense. And again, they just need scoring off the bench. Uh, Horford's really good. He's there to play. He can get some minutes at power forward. But Boston's deep there too. I mean, Tatum's going to get his minutes of power forward, etc. So uh, I'm not moving the needle too much, but it's just a reminder that sentiment is high on the Time Lord. People are expecting big things. Hence, you probably weren't able to get them outside the top 50 in your draft. Yeah, that's mostly about what it is for me is the position you have to take them in. I'm just not comfortable. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. Well, again, at 50, I feel like that's you're you're mostly paying for his ceiling at that point. There's not a 
ton of extra headroom. So it's a fine pick there, but not maybe not my favorite. That's how I feel with drafts. Like I'm trying to draft guys who I think are going to outperform their positions. And when you're taking swings like that, it feels like you're you're basically drafting their ceiling. Like it, I don't think it can get much better than top 50. Well, maybe it can, but geez, you're talking about you're expecting a lot of things to happen. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it, to be honest. I, I know I, I've downplayed it slightly because I think I'm more on your side of being a little bit more leery and not projecting this huge breakout. But I can see it. And if it does happen, it's going to be glorious to have this man on your roster. I mean, he can assist. He can rack up defensive stats. He could very well be the blocks leader. So, um, man, he's he's a polarizing guy, but he's going to be a lot of fun to have on your teams. I totally get it. In fact, I have him on a couple of my rosters. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I just am trying to preach uh, cautious you know, conservatism here, but hey, most drafts are already in the books. So if you have them, just cross your fingers that he stays healthy because really that's, that's the key. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks. Sorry. We couldn't get to any more questions. Uh, maybe next Tuesday again, we're back. Round ball stew is back five days a week now. So check in rate review us where you can. And Jared, thanks so very much for coming on. Happy to be here. All right. Well, See you next Tuesday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.